0: Hey friends! You've heard it, you've seen it in the news, the trans community is under attack, and it's more important than ever to make sure you're staying safe out there. One of the best ways to stay safe online is to make sure people can't easily find your personal information to dox you, swat you, or worse. That's why we're excited to have Delete Me as a sponsor for this episode. When you sign up for Delete Me, they scour the web to find your information, go through the lengthy process of getting it removed, and monitor throughout the year to make sure your data is deleted as soon as it pops up on other sites. It's a valuable service that just got even more valuable. If you go to joindeletemecom transverse and enter the code Transverse at checkout, you get 20% off of their service. Support the Transverse and keep yourself safe by signing up for Delete Me today. From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-acceptance and discovery. I'm your host, Emily. This week we're talking all things trans in the Matrix series with Tilly Bridges, author of Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix. After the Wachowski sisters revealed that the Matrix was actually an allegory for the trans experience, Tilly did a deep dive into each movie, taking the reader scene by scene through the series and detailing all of the trans subtext. It's a must read for all transgender fans of the matrix, but it's also very insightful for anyone who wants to understand more about what it means to be trans. Take the red pill with us tonight, as we welcome Tilly Bridges to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the book again, that's called Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix. We'll have to talk about it a little bit later, but I love the fact that you chose a picture where you're wearing a red dress or at least a red top, um, it's a top and yeah. we'll, we'll get into later while that, why that is so apropos for the analysis that you did of the movie. Uh, first off in a general sense, how did taking up this project help you in terms of your own trans experience?
1: That's a good question. There, there's parts of it that it helped me see things. That I was having trouble seeing or dealing with on my own. Uh, and one of the ways it helped me with that the most was uh, with de- dealing and with and confronting and sort of trying to get rid of my own internalized transphobia. You know that that's stuff that society worms into all of us. And um, the third movie, uh, Revolutions, is very specifically about dealing with our own internalized transphobia and why it's so insidious and hard to get rid of, and why it's so awful and harmful to us. and, that really helped me uh, be able to get past some blocks that I was having with that. So um, chiefly that, but, you know, mostly it was just that This it was the first time that I ever really felt seen or understood as a trans person and very specifically as a trans woman. And so that helped me, it helped me feel seen and understood and I didn't feel so alone. And I think that was the best thing that it gave me is that here is this beautiful work of art that understands you all the way through and there's so so little things like that out there for trans people you know so that was i think that was probably the the best gift it gave me and what i'm hoping i can give to other trans people um through the book
0: how did you develop your hypothesis about the characters and the scenes in the movie
1: you know i approach everything as as a screenwriter, I'm always sort of like analyzing everything that I'm watching uh, because I want to learn from it, you know, how to get better and how the Wachowskis have so much that they can teach uh, just about that, even outside of the trans stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, um, you know, I sat down to watch it and take notes and I was like, oh, these lines really resonate. And well, what is this? I noticed they were being super, super specific with the use of color. Mm -hmm. And once I figured out what that meant. And it all comes back to the scene with the pills, right? The, the most pivotal scene in the entire franchise. And once I cracked that, um, that's really what led me all the way through. It was that in the names mostly. Um, mm. A lot of writers like to be very intentional with their names. And so when I got to thinking, why is this? Okay. Morpheus is the God of dreams, but what does that mean? Why did they name him that? Why is Trinity Trinity? Why is his name Neo? Why was his dead name Thomas Anderson? What does that mean? And the, the have this thing that I love to call, uh, that they do called supertext, where it's the opposite of subtext, right? It's, it's so in your face, if you know what you're looking at and they do that with names a lot. Um, and so once I sort of uncovered what. The character names meant that really led me to figuring out their place in the story and what they meant to Neo and his journey. And, um, so it was, it was that and figuring out the, the colors from the pill. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of helped it all gel together.
0: What yeah. are the what are the colors that you saw in the matrix and um the blending of those colors and, and what did those mean?
1: Yeah, okay, so throughout the entire series, um, even resurrections, even the Animatrix, red all of the colors actually have a, a fixed meaning. And red is always truth. And blue is always doubt, although doubt can take many different forms, and yellow is always fear. And what's super fascinating about it is that combinations of those colors still hold true. So if you see a character is dressed in orange, that means there's truth, but also fear going on at the same time. And that's why the the, the original three movies have that green overcast in the matrix. It's showing you that the cisgender binary, which is what the matrix is um, is, based in fear and doubt, yellow plus blue equals green. So um, they're very, very intentional with their use of color all the way through the entire franchise. And so many times, if you just pause the movie and you look at where the colors are, what's present and what's not, and where are they on screen and how where are the characters in relation to that, you can learn so much. They convey so much of their uh, the allegory visually. Um, it's, it's really brilliant stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And since we covered colors and you also mentioned the importance of the names, what were the, the key names that were involved in, and what were some of the meanings that were there with those?
1: Okay, so the most important one um, is, is Neo. Um, you know, his dead name, Thomas Anderson, roughly translates into twin of the manly or masculine. Uh, Neo just means new. Um, cipher is literally a code or something that hides the truth, right? And so he represents... Uh, In the first movie, Neo's doubt about whether or not he is trans. And uh, Trinity is the combination of of Cypher and Neo and Morpheus. Morpheus, the god of dreams, he is Neo's subconscious. um, That's always trying to get him to wake up to what the truth is. And so when you combine those three aspects of him, you get a whole person who is Trinity and she's female and the other three are male. And so she has to recognize, reconcile these three supposedly male aspects of herself if she ever wants to attain self actualization which is what Trinity is Trinity is Neo's self actualization and who he wishes to be who he truly is on the inside Mm -hmm. Um, a bunch of the other characters also represent things Uh, Locke is always uh, he's Neo's fear Niobe is Neo's confidence the Oracle is Neo's heart Um, Smith is transphobia although he represents two different kinds in the first movie, he starts as the sort of passive, I guess, transphobia that society has by simply not knowing or acknowledging that trans people exist. Well, there's only men and women uh, as assigned as at birth, cis men and women, and that's it. And there's nothing else. And because of that, society is not, not set up to for trans people or to help us or to even acknowledge us. But then over the course of that first movie and th- then through the rest of the movies, he comes to represent very active transphobia the kind that will acknowledge our existence only because it seeks to end it. Um, And then let's see who else is there. There's tank who represents the trans community. Although later that shifts over to Zion and IO Um, goodness. Who else have I forgotten? There's ghost ghost is uh, the walls that Neo puts around his heart. Once life becomes really, really difficult for him Mm -hmm. and he sort of closes off from things
0: and the only one I can well, there's there's a couple and, and one that you didn't mention in the book. I don't believe, or maybe you did, but it was it was quickly and, and I'd, I'd love to know more about them. But um, um, again, talking about super text, switch.
1: Yeah, switch. Uh, switch does not actually represent uh, an aspect of Neo, um, but Switch was um, intended to be trans, of course, and the the Wachowskis weren't allowed to have a trans character in the movie, uh, and so uh, Switch does never actually present that way, but the, the fascinating thing is that they kind of worked it in anyway if you look. Because in the scene where uh, Neo sort of gets engulfed by the mirror, I think it's that scene, uh, Switch has is wearing what looks like a chest binder underneath a blazer. And in a later scene in The Matrix, um, Switch is in a white suit wearing a sort of flesh-toned shirt underneath that almost makes it look like she's bare-chested, like a man would be. So I think they were sneaking it in very subtly you know in ways that the the studio would not realize were there
0: Mm -hmm. at what point in the process did you realize that this allegorical deep dive the the theories that you were putting together were going to work and hold together throughout um you know the whole process and not develop into like you know things where you have to make huge leaps or try and fill big holes
1: yeah i i I don't think I ever got to that point until Resurrections came out. I was always afraid that I had been entirely off base and that I was going to see something that would, you know, ruin it or blow it all up and prove I was totally off base. And that didn't happen through the original trilogy. But everything that I wrote about the original trilogy, I wrote before Resurrections uh, was released. And so I was really, really terrified then because I was sure with 20 years difference, you know, it was going to ruin everything that I had written not ruin it but I mean it just proved that I you know was was completely wrong about things Uh, but instead what it did was confirm it all in the strongest way possible uh it still holds through all of resurrections which was the most gratifying thing that showed that I must have really been on onto something because uh you know it wouldn't have held through a a 20-year gap uh and and Lana returning to to make one last movie if if there wasn't something there Mm -hmm.
0: In watching these movies back through with this new context, in the book you mentioned the fact that you hadn't really rewatched these movies since you'd come out and, you know, experienced trans life. With looking at them through this new perspective and focus, was there a particular scene or or theme that stuck out to you above all others that just profoundly affected you?
1: Yeah, well, the one scene that still gets me the most, it's um, toward the end of Resurrections when they are in the coffee shop Fighting against all of society to reunite, to to become a whole person, and um, to me, that's what the entire series boils down to. It's the most important scene in the whole series, and it means the absolute world to me. Um, It 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 probably actually did make me cry. I can't quite remember now, but it was very emotional Um, because you know every trans person, that's what we're going through right now. We're fighting against all of this transphobic society that's doing everything in its power to keep us from being our true selves and and we have to you have to fight against these like unbelievable odds just just to be who you are just to be your normal human self and it's so hard and it shouldn't be and uh, nothing i think conveys that as well as that scene does so that one that scene touches me very very deeply mm-hmm
0: one thing that really hit me hard in in watching this movie after having read um read through some of the book i read through the matrix section the first movie and then watched that one i was really struck by the the harsh contrast between life in the matrix and the scorched earth Desolated dark and scary reality and um, you know looking at that in the trans context I really felt it illuminated the shift from you know being in the matrix being in you know trapped in cis society in this ideal of, of your birth gender um, feeling confused and trapped and then coming out and being free only to learn just, and to be smacked with the harsh realities of the world around us. How did this metaphor really resonate with your experience? I think it's pretty much right on, Um,
1: you know, cause you think it, it, you know, there's, you know how hard it is to get to where you have to be to accept yourself and start transition, but you don't know, I mean, you sort of know what it's gonna be like afterwards as an out trans person, but you don't really know until that happens. And um, it's really rough it's, and it shouldn't be. Again, it should be a really easy thing, but it's not. Um, and that's one of the things that you know Reloaded deals with really heavily is all the ways society comes for you once you're an out trans person and how hard they make it for you to exist as an out trans person. You know, it's it's absolutely
0: right. It's spot on all the way through. Yeah, there's that there's that period where you're afraid of coming out because you're afraid of, like, what it'll be. And then you get to that point of, like, um, self-acceptance and, and you're going to come out and you're going to put your, your feet out there. And um, it's, it's better and worse than you thought at the same time. You know, there, there's a lot of good and bad. Yeah, yeah. In the context of, of knowing that this is a trans allegory, you know, we're able to find a great deal of validation in our experience in these movies, in this series. But when I was thinking about that, it made me a little bit sad because the the, the truth of it is, is that it's it's written by people who share our experience. Um, and you know, as in thinking about that, it's, it's sort of the way it has to be, right? How important yep. is it for us to remind, as a reminder um, that we have to create our own representation.
1: It's super important, right? Representation for any marginalized community um, is vital because you need to to know that you feel seen and understood and that you belong in these stories too. And that's one of the most frustrating things for me about the series is that, you know, it's, it's so deeply trans, but there's like no trans people on screen. There's no trans characters. And even, so even still, you know, it's really hard, but you, We need to be the ones telling our own stories and again that goes for every marginalized community like trans people should be in all kinds of stories we should be in in star wars we should be in marvel movies we should be in everything uh, because we're just another type of human that you can be like red-haired people or left-handed people but stories about trans existence need to be told by trans people because there are stories to tell and Um, This is something that Resurrections actually deals with in that there is a very real trend in our society for trans people to have our voices co-opted and stolen and erased. And uh, we often have our stories taken from us and our media representation is often really terrible. I did an examination of trans rep in media in 2022 at the very beginning of this year. Everything that I had seen uh, in movies and television for all year, I tracked every time I saw a trans person how they were represented, every time there was a joke about trans people. And while there is some good representation in there, it was very few. And we there was much more of the time we were just the butt of a joke or there was a joke about gender or a joke about pronouns. And those happened so much more than you saw a trans person in something. And that's a big, big problem. So there's a, a long way we have to go still um, for better representation for trans people. Um, and, and we're the ones that have to do it. And the hard thing about that is that there's, there's not that many trans executives in Hollywood that can get trans creatives, you know, behind the scenes uh, to be able to make these things. And that's one of the things that the first movie deals with is, is cis people are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors. They hold all the keys. Uh, and that's true for most of us, for our health care, for entertainment, for, you know, getting our legal name and gender markers changed. Um, everything and so it's it's a kind of an uphill battle. But um, you know, if if you don't share an identity, then you should not be telling stories about what it's like to be that person.
0: Mm-hmm. Conservative society is often so based on a zero sum ideology. Um, you know, if if we give you something, we lose something. The Matrix yeah. lays out. Uh, lays that out even more harshly when Neo is getting dressed down by his boss. Uh, as his boss says, if one employee has a problem, the whole company has a problem. They are afraid of the potential dangers of tra- of trans ideology these days. What are the key tenets of being trans that can actually help and add to the rest of society from your perspective? The most, I guess the most beautiful thing is that
1: and I never expected that this would happen, but just from existing as an out trans person, you have an entirely different perspective on the world than cis people do. And it opens you up to seeing how much of our society besides gender is based on lies. It's based on a false dichotomy where you have to choose one or the other. You know, it's it, there is not just cis men and cis women. There's much more than that. And it's okay if you... Uh, there's not only um, you know jocks and nerds. you can be both. you can be neither. It's not like that and society really wants it to be because it's so much easier if there's only two options and everybody's one or the other and they can categorize you and box you up and ship you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that's the, the best thing that I found about it is that it, it that the perspective it, it, it gave me and allowed me to see so much. Of, of how our society does it and how it hurts all of us uh, trans and cis people in, in so many ways. So I think it, it, I don't know how to, like how cis people could get that same view. Um, I'm hoping maybe, maybe uh, the book and these movies would be able to open them up to it some, but it's a really, really hard thing to see uh,
0: when you're inside it. Morpheus tells Neo- the body cannot live without the mind and i've been thinking about this point a lot because i feel like it carries a, a wonderful a wonderfully deep subtext about the trans condition can you speak about how the conflict between the body and the mind at least the subconscious mind affects someone who is pre-transition or who has yet to accept the fact that they're trans i mean yeah that's the whole game right because you know society
1: tells you when you're born that you are a boy or a girl based on your external genitalia. And so you're led to believe this. Everything you see is reinforces that from, for most people, or I I guess a lot of people anyway, it's what your parents tell you. For all of us, it's what society reinforces in every movie and TV show and book. And so you look at your body and you say, well, this matches what society says. And so therefore I must be what society says I am. Mm. But that's not the truth inside, in your head, in your heart, you know the difference. And that's a really hard thing to reconcile because you have to wake up to the fact that all of society and possibly your parents and your friends and your family are wrong. They're absolutely wrong because they don't know you better than you know yourself. And so it all starts in the head, right? That's where transition begins because you have to realize your transness. You have to accept it. And that's all internal and you cannot get the external representation of yourself, your physical body to match your insides. If the insides aren't there first. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's where it all begins. We shouldn't have to be thinking every second of the day about, every aspect of our identity, right? We should just be existing, living in the moment, living our lives. And it it was something that um, I was actually just uh, writing about for uh, an upcoming essay that I'll be releasing in a few weeks. But um, it was like, it's the whole issue for trans women with tucking, right? Like there are different reasons that trans women may do it. But once you tuck, you are aware of it the entire time you're tucked. And it's so weird to have to stop and think before you go out about your underwear and about your junk. And the whole time you're out, you can't stop feeling it. And that's not how it should be. It's a constant reminder that you are trans and you have to do this so that you don't get assaulted or so that you don't feel your dysphoria. And that's really, really messed up. It's in those moments when you don't have to do that, when you feel the most free because you're just existing as yourself. Like when I'm at home and I don't have to worry about that and I'm, I'm just writing or I'm making dinner or whatever it is. You're just a human being and that's all that we really are. And that's all we should have to be.
0: One of my favorite bits in in rewatching this with this new context was the the Oracle. And you you, you mentioned the Oracle is the heart. The premise of the Oracle in the first film um, is that Neo is not the one until he accepts that he's the one. You're not going to get there until you get there yourself. You draw the parallel that you can't accept that you're trans until you're ready, and the first right. step towards that is knowing it's possible. How do we get people to understand that in a way that successfully pushes back against that false narrative of indoctrination and a, a transgender wave? I think the best way is just trans joy, right?
1: I mean, that's what it's about, showing the world your trans joy. If, if it is safe for you to do so and you are comfortable doing so, it is so important because that's what lets people know it's possible. I even, I, when I came out publicly, I had to stop and thank all of the trans women that inspired me to be able to believe I could do it too, because seeing them out there, seeing them happy, seeing them living their lives in their transition, and, and most of them are writers, and I'm also you know a writer, and I was very worried about if I w- could still have a writing career as an out trans woman. And so knowing that they had careers, and they were out there, and they were doing it, and they were happy, meant the world to me. I, I even thanked them uh, you know, in the uh, acknowledgments of the book, because I couldn't be who I am or where I am without them. And I'm sure for all of them, they had people that did the same for them. And I think that's the best way that you can co- combat it, is just you know, show the the world that it is possible to be happy after transition or during transition, it is possible to transition and love who you become and love who you are, and have always been. Um, You know, I think that's probably the biggest way. And although, you know, I think also, if if it's possible for, uh, it's different for each trans person, a lot of us are not very privileged, um, and don't have the time, energy or resources to be able to do this. Um, And they should not be expected to. It's one of the reasons that I do, because I'm very privileged as far as we trans ladies go. But um, is that just uh, in addition to sharing your joy, to just share your experiences, to talk about trans issues as normal things and just try to help educate people. One of the things that uh, has been really cool for me is I've been on a bunch of different podcasts lately. And some of them have been with like two cis guys from the Midwest and they're very nice and polite and kind. And, but they're like, I've never talked to a trans person before. And even though they probably have just not an out trans person, you know, cause we're everywhere. um, They were just, they were full of all of these questions and that's why I write about this stuff because they were just curious. They want to know, they want to understand what trans is. They want to understand how they can help, how they can be an ally. And so, um, you know, if you're able, and, and again, a whole lot of us aren't, But if you're able, being able to, uh, you know, sort of help people through that and increase the understanding, I think goes a really long way too.
0: When we see the oracle in the movie, she's wearing, the the oracle representing Neo's heart is wearing mostly green. And then she points out the sign above uh, the door, which is know thyself. Yeah. And that is in green as well. So I was kind of curious, like, you know, what the context was there from your perspective.
1: Well, at that moment, right, when, when Neo first meets her, he is terrified. He does not know uh, if he did the right thing. He does not know what's happening. He does not believe he's the one. Uh, and just for a little bit of context uh, for the folks listening, the one is not some, you know, mythical <laughs> Christ figure superhero. The one is us. We are the ones who will save ourselves. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And so at that moment, he's he's afraid that he's not. He doesn't believe he is. He doesn't want to be and and the oracle being his heart you know is telling him you're not because you're not ready to hear it yet you have to come to terms with it on your own nobody can tell you you're trans all of my cis friends have seen me be trans all over the place and read my trans stuff and it's not making them trans because they're not it doesn't work that way so you have to come do that understanding yourself and then you can transition and save yourself and so in that moment you know, his entire world is fear and doubt, and that's I think where the green comes from because he's so unsure of everything. Uh, he's so conflicted. Um, you know, he's just started the his transition. It, it's uh, a very scary time for most of us. I think when we start, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, and uh, it's it can be kind of terrifying. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's why.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. His heart was wrapped in fear and doubt. That was the whole thing. He couldn't break free because those were the predominant feelings he had.
1: Right, him. right. He couldn't get there yet because his heart wasn't ready to accept the truth. So,
0: One of the other key themes you talked about was empathy and how important it is for coexistence between cis and trans folks. How can we use movies like The Matrix, or just this Matrix series specifically, as a tool to describe the trans experience to cis folks in a way that will elicit understanding and empathy?
1: That's that's actually what I hope the book does, because, you know, I've spoken to a lot of cis people who have who have read, uh, you know, the book or threads about it. And they were like, I couldn't have ever seen this. And I was like, well, I couldn't see it either until I knew I was trans and had been living as trans as my true self, because then, you know, you're seeing it with these new eyes. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. And so I don't think that a cis person just watching these movies is going to pick up on all of that on their own because I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you can, because it's an experience so far outside of what you're used to or what you can even really imagine. But I'm hoping with the book that it can help them see that because the movies have a whole lot to say about cis people too and why we need them, about how to be a good ally, why nothing will get better for us until cis people decide it should um, and, and why they're so vital in in this fight for trans rights. Um, and, you know, I've had cis people uh, who have read it, have, have gotten that from it, and that's meant the world to me. And I've had um, cis parents, you know, tell me that it helped them understand their trans kid. And that's, that is so important, um, you know, especially as a parent with no experience with transness or, or any of that, you don't know what to do, uh, you don't know what your kid's going through. And so if you can increase the understanding of that in any way. I think that's a good thing. I hope the book does that. It can be hard to put into words sometimes what all of this is like and how to explain it. That's why I've been writing things cuz I'm a writer and that's what I do. So point people to other things that you find. I'm not the only trans person far from it who's writing about all of these trans issues out there. So if you find something that explains things really good, you know, send it to to your cis friends or family who are curious or want more information and see if that helps them, you know, somewhere open a little door and, and get a little closer to where we want them to be. There's so much in the book, obviously, there's too much to talk about here for that. But when you look at the, the franchise as a whole, um, what you'll see is that the Wachowskis have giant hearts and uh, a whole lot of empathy. And they're sort of laying out a path forward through these movies for all of us to follow to build a better world for all of us and to me that's like the most beautiful thing that you could possibly be doing especially with something that's so heavily trans right mm-hmm. this it, it's about it's it's about trans liberation and trans rights and trans acceptance but that that helps all of us and that's what you know everybody needs to understand that if one of us if one segment of the population is under attack, nobody's really free because they're gonna come for everybody else next, right? It's, so it's all of us or none of us. And I think that's the overriding message of it. And I think that's that's really, really beautiful. And I hope that comes across um, through the books.
0: Tilly Bridges, it has been a delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your stories, sharing about the work you did with the book. Once again, the book is Begin Transmission, the Trans Allegories of the matrix that is available June 27th. You can pre-order it now and it will be available anywhere books are sold. You can get it in paperback like this, uh, hardback and what was the digital version you called it? They're EPUBs, I
1: think is what they call them, but it's available digitally wherever you get your digital book.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the transgender show from the transverse network. Watch this show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash the transverse and later on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the transverse. Get your copy of Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix, wherever books are sold. If you love what we're doing and want to help support The Transverse and get access to exclusive content, you can do so by visiting patreon.com thetransverse.